Welcome to the Tutor Podcast, the only weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, a teacher, or a coach, the Tutor Podcast will help you start, grow, and love your tutoring business in plain English without the buzzwords and BS. If you want to make more money and make more of a difference, the Tutor Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Hi, it's Neil Camero here with the Tutor Podcast, injecting uncommon sense into your tutoring, teaching and coaching business. Now, I've been a guitar teacher for over 20 years, and in the last 11 years, I've been full time after I made a career choice to leave the world of business and finance and share my ongoing love affair with the guitar with absolutely everyone I could. And in all that time, I've made a ton of mistakes, mostly linked to one thing my own emotional state. I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in this respect because emotions are what drive the bus for us day to day. And the problem is that most of the time we don't actually manage them. Our emotions manage us. So today it's all about taking control of your emotions because they'll either serve you or they'll enslave you. And you get to choose. As always, guys, remember to get in touch with comments, your questions, your ideas on info at neilcamado.com or follow me on Twitter where I am at Tutor Podcast. So let's get cracking. First of all, what are your emotions? Well, they're essentially unregulated response to stimuli and they come from the mid part of your brain. The popular model of brain science is that the brain is in three layers. The brain stem is the deep survival functions, the lightning fast response that keeps us safe. Wrapped around the top of that, there's a part of the brain called the limbic brain. This is the emotional part. It's very quick to respond, but it's not as fast as the brainstem. And then wrapped around that is the big neocortex, where supposedly, this was added later, rational thought takes place. This is a lot slower to act, and it kicks in after the limbic brain has done its bit, which can sometimes mean it's taken us off to the races and got us into trouble. So when your emotions have flared up, you weren't thinking straight. In fact, you weren't thinking yes. So emotions are fast because they come from the deep parts of the brain. And generally speaking, they'll um, offer a survival advantage by reflexively responding to an incoming stimulus. Now, they're very, very powerful. They can completely take us over if we're not careful. And they can be incredibly dangerous. Just think of someone flying into a rage and they say, well, I just saw red. Yes, we call it a red mist. Anger blots out any regulating thought. Now, in business and as a teacher, you must be able to deal with the emotional spike of that first response to any stimulation and prevent it from taking control of you. If you get scared, it'll shut you down. If you get angry, you could rage or have an outburst. One emotional outburst can be disastrous for your business and your reputation. A few months ago, I had an eight-year-old student tell me that her guitar teacher at school was horrible because he was always angry and he just shouted when anybody made a mistake or said they hadn't practiced. She was terrified of him. We work together now. We have a good laugh. She's enjoying herself. She's learning fast. 
and she loves every minute of it. And frankly, so do I. Now, emotions are interesting because they're generally just triggered by the beliefs that you hold in your mind. A lot of people get stuck with an idea that beliefs are fixed and somehow immutable. But a belief, in my opinion, is a decision that you've made once based on the information you had at the time. And you can change your beliefs by giving them better information, more information, and constantly updating what you know. Now, your predominant emotional state will also tend to define your personality or the way you're perceived in your personality. So, for instance, people who are thought of as being depressed and miserable, they just spend more time feeling down about stuff. Optimists, well, we spend more time looking for the positive. Hostile people, angry people, they just spend more of their time looking for stuff to be pissed off about. Fun people, they spend more time laughing and having fun, looking for the jokes in things. And personality is essentially driven by your emotional state. And you get to choose what state you're in. And you've got to master your emotions or they will master you. Absolutely true, guys. Because what goes on around you is essentially neutral. It doesn't matter what goes on around you. How you respond, your choice of how you respond is crucial. You know, the events that are going on, things that happen in the world, it's not about you. Check your ego at the door. Respond to whatever is coming into you in your own chosen way. This is kind of a, a meta response pattern that acts across everything you do, everything that happens. Uh, I use the word meta as, as in metaphysics. It's the branch of philosophy that deals with the first principles. My first principle operates across everything I do. It's cross-contextual. It runs pretty much underneath every other bit of programming I have in my own mind. So decide how you want to respond and apply that response to everything that happens. The very first thing that you want to have happen, guys, when something occurs, maybe a student turns around and there's something unpleasant or there's a challenging bit of behavior, some bad news, pause. This is the one thing that works better than anything else. Say nothing. Do nothing. Just notice that emotional spike that jumps up inside you as you begin to respond to whatever has just happened or been said. And as you feel it, say to yourself inside, ooh, that's an interesting response. But is it a helpful response? If it's not helpful, simply begin to imagine the very best response that you'd like to feel. It doesn't have to be a real one, but you'll notice as that response begins to occur in you and to challenge the position of the previous negative response remember events are seldom personal unless it's a personal attack on you and if it is a personal attack on you that's when you'll really need to master your emotional response someone says something don't get drawn into a slanging match don't start bitching out and slagging them off just notice you don't have to say anything now i want you to remember also that people often invent bullshit stories and fake reasons doing things to protect their own egos so for instance if a student says they can't have any more lessons or they don't want any more lessons it could be because they've just lost their job maybe they're separating from the partner or wife maybe they've just got themselves into money trouble 
Maybe something else has happened that's taken them away from it. It's not about me, but they might have to put a smoke screen up in front of that decision. So they might say, well, I'm not getting enough out of the lessons. That might be true, in which case it's great feedback, but it might also be their little justification so that they don't have to say, I've reached my overdraft limit, I'm skint, my credit cards are maxed out, I've got troubles. Remember, it's not necessarily about you. Just respond to the event as it's given and only to the event. Don't put any baggage on it. So your everyday ins and outs in the teaching game. The student quits. You get late cancellations or no-shows. Maybe you get a poor re review or bad feedback. Maybe you've got students who struggle and frustrate the crap out of you. Or those awkward ones who ask difficult questions. How do you want to handle them? How are you going to respond to those things? For myself, I decided to always respond positively and to treat whatever came along as an opportunity or a gift. So say a student quits. Well, in my mind, that's not about me. They're just stepping down while they sort out their own stuff. I'll make it totally clear. I'll be happy to work with them in the future when they're ready to resume lessons. So I'm assuming that at some point they are coming back and they'll be coming back to me. So I'm leaving the door open for them when things change for them. If I get a late cancellation or a no-show, it means probably the student's struggling with an immediate issue. I'll try to work with them to reschedule within seven days. But failing that, I can at least console myself with the thought I'm being well paid to have a cup of coffee. Or I can call my standby list of students and get paid twice for filling the slot. So there is no downside to this. Should I happen to get poor feedback and reviews, like someone reads my book and doesn't like them, well, it's just someone else's opinion. Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they're pointing something out to me that I've missed or something I didn't do very well. I'll have a look, decide if it's relevant and if it's useful, I might learn something. I might even thank them for the feedback. What I won't do is get angry. I won't spit things back unless they're being factually incorrect or saying something slanderous. I'll just let it go. Now, the students who struggle and frustrate me and you may have some of these guys too. I always remind myself who the lesson is really about. It's not about me. They don't have to be good enough for me. They have to be good enough for them. It's their time. And my job in that time is to penetrate the defences and overcome their resistance so that they can learn what they need to learn in order to move forward in the direction of their dreams. Their struggles challenge me to be better at what I do. So struggling students, they're a gift to me. Now, the ones that ask difficult questions, these are the guys I love, the awkward squad. Remember, there are no difficult questions. There are only questions we don't know the answers to. But what I usually say is, wow, that's a great question. Now, right off the top of my head, I don't have an answer for you, but let's find out. And now it's an opportunity for us to go forward and learn something together. Something I've found very useful over the years is to develop a separate teaching state of mind. I actually pretend to be someone else. Or I'll borrow the mindset and the insights of another person. Uh, my friend Karen asks, what would Jesus do? 
And while I don't share her faith, I do like the question. And I rephrase it as, what would the very best version of me do? Or what would the very best version of another person I admire do? I remember a long time ago, I was a young croupier, casino dealer, and I just couldn't cope with the customers. But we had a very good gaming manager, a guy called Tony, and he wouldn't let me quit the job. And he suggested I develop a character for work. Now, Tony was from Yorkshire, and he had the characteristics of a northern showman. And he said, why don't you borrow my personality for it? And he told me to make the roulette table the stage. He told me that when I pulled on my uniform, I had to leave the real Neil in my locker to become Big Neil, a sort of ringmaster and charismatic entertainer who was supposed to hold court and tame the lions. And it actually worked. As crazy as it seemed at the time, it worked. I spent 15 years in the gaming industry around the world and I loved every single day of it. Later, when I started teaching guitar and I was terrified and uncertain, I didn't think I was a proper guitarist. And I was so stressed by teaching that I, I thought back to that time when Tony told me to be someone else. And I thought I'd build a teaching character for myself to shield my ego from what I assumed would be a total bloody disaster. I thought my students would hate me, their parents would distrust me, I wasn't going to get paid, it wasn't going to work. So I thought about the person I'd most like to meet and the person I'd most like to have as a tutor. I thought about what they did, how they moved through the world and how they thought. And over time, that character's pretty much taken over and become who I am in real life. That character's confident, clever, funny, charismatic, strong, caring, generous, objective, successful and ambitious. Now, whether he's me or I'm just delusional, it's, it's a moot point. The boundaries between the two characters have kind of dissolved and we've become one and the same. And I take that character across with me when I'm working in my other businesses, which are property investment and property management. Now, I'm still that person. I just choose to consciously accentuate certain traits to make me a better property guy. It works. Develop the best possible character you can imagine being taught by. Don't become a parody of the people who taught you. Become the embodiment of the very best teachers you've ever seen. Amalgamate them all. Squish them all together. Mash them up. And step into that character. And finally, keep your problems out of the teaching space. Heartbreaks, financial problems, domestic issues. If you bring those into the teaching room or into the business space, you're toast. Remember, your students are your students. They don't want to hear about your problems. They're not your confidants. They're not your counsellors. They're not actually your friends most of the time. They're your customers. If you blurt out your problems, have a meltdown, cry, sob, are mopey, sulky, depressed, pissed off, miserable, angry, or a combination of the above, you will lose your position of authority. Anytime you're a complete mess, you're no good to your students. It's bad for business. Remember, teaching is teaching. Your own private life is your own private life. As I always say, everything else is everything else. As Ghostbusters said, don't cross the streams.
And remember, guys, whatever happens, whatever comes into you, pause. This is the one big thing that works better than anything else. You just say nothing. You do nothing. Look inside yourself. Notice that emotional spike as you respond to whatever has just happened or been said. And as you begin to feel it, just say to yourself, that's interesting. But is it helpful? If it's not helpful, replace it with the best response you can imagine happening. And then notice as that begins to occur in you. Ask yourself, is it helpful now? That's how I've come to terms with loads of challenges over the last 21 years teaching. In fact, ever since I was a spotty teenager with absolutely no confidence and no charisma and felt crap about myself, that's how I've come to terms with things. I've made tons of mistakes. I've had massively unhelpful responses to people and events down the years until I finally got a handle on managing it. Awareness, just that pause, that five, six second pause. Assess your response. Feel what you want to feel instead. Is the response you've got helpful? If it's not helpful, replace it with something better. It's actually very easy to do this. And as you're starting to learn this and practice it, you'll be awful at it to begin with. But could you be worse than you are already if you're not already in control of your emotions? It gets easier and you get better with repetition. Start small with little things. When driving, you now somebody cuts you up. What do you want to do? You want to get road raging, give them the finger, get into a fight, make gestures at them. Or just wave at them. Let them go. You've dealt with them for five seconds. They've got to deal with themselves for 24 hours a day forever. You just got off incredibly lightly. You might want to smile and wish them well. When you're at the shops, maybe someone's in the queue, the, the kids are acting up, whatever, stuff with your family. How do you want to respond to that for the best? I promise you this. The more you notice your responses, the better you can manage that. Edit, I promise you this. The more you begin to notice and manage your emotions, the better you get at it. And the more it becomes a vital part of your personality. Believe me, guys, you are going to be driven by your emotions anyway. So doesn't it make sense to choose which emotions will be in control of you in advance? In your life, in your business, in your teaching, you decide how it goes. So the forces that are already driving you are either adversaries resources for you to use okie dokes so manage your emotions guys have fun with it pause breathe six seconds is this helpful if it's not helpful do something else let me know how you get on with this if you find it useful if you've had similar issues in the past if you've responded inappropriately to something i'd love to hear about it so send me your stuff on info neilcambina.com Find me on Twitter, where I am, at Tutor Podcast. And remember to hit the subscribe button so you automatically get the latest updates as soon as they're live. That wraps it up for today. So join me next time when the Tutor Podcast will continue to be all about starting, growing, and loving your tutoring business. Have a fabulous day. 
Get in touch with the Tutor Podcast via email or social media, and the Tutor Podcast team will be listening. Subscribe on iTunes, and you'll automatically get the latest episode directly sent to your device. And remember to share, rate, and review TTP so that we can help other people to start, grow, and love their tutoring businesses. 